addict turned successful CEO. You know, one of my greatest uh, aspirations in that time or accomplishments is I, I made a bet with a guy I could go a year without uh, wearing pants. I had a lot of clients who were uh, drug smugglers. I woke up on a uh, center seat of an airplane, no idea how I got there, and uh, I had bankrupted a family business. Welcome today on the show, Doug Fleener. Doug is known as the daily performance expert. Doug Fleener is an ex-addict turned successful CEO. Today, Doug and I are going to be talking about the day that makes the year, that makes the life. It's how to transform your work and your life with one day of success. Doug Fleener, welcome to the show. All right. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So we'll talk about your background. How did yeah. you go from ex-addict turned successful CEO? Well, uh, so yeah, my story starts and I'm, uh, we were talking beforehand about the beach and the ocean. And so back in the, uh, eighties, I was actually in the, uh, marine business. So, uh, I was in South Florida and I was living out what I like to call my Jimmy Buffett song. And, uh, you know, one of my greatest, uh, aspirations at that time or accomplishments is I, I made a bet with a guy I could go a year without uh, wearing pants. Uh, I did wear shorts. Uh, so, uh, but that kind of tells you who I was in my twenties. And, uh, I actually, uh, again, this was in the eighties. Uh, and, uh, so I had a lot of clients who were, uh, drug smugglers and, uh, I had a pretty, I had a good gig going for a while. I would order in product into a Marine supply store and trade it for cocaine. And, uh, you can only keep that one going so long. <laughs> the vendors want paid. And, uh, so in, uh, and in the book, there's actually a story. I'll give it away a little bit is, but I actually, one of my last drinking and drugs, I woke up on a, uh, center seat of an airplane, no idea how I got there. And, uh, I had bankrupted a family business. Wow. And, yeah. So, um, so my life fell apart in, uh, in, uh, early, late 86, early 87. And, uh, my, uh, I, my father told me, you know, I needed to go into recovery or he was going to, he was my business partner. So he's going to kill me. And, uh, I uh, went into recovery and, uh, you know, I hit rock bottom and I started to climb out of my life that I'd done. And I had to learn how to live without a drug and without a drink a day at a time. And, uh, I had to start all over. I had to get rid of that business. I mean, it was bankrupt. So, what I ended up doing was uh, I needed to find a job, so I went to work for the Sharper Image, and uh, great company to work for at the time. You know, they uh, they had all the cool products. The internet completely busted them, but uh, I ended up just realizing that uh, I I needed to move out of Florida and uh, moved to Boston to. Uh, I wanted to watch the Celtics play. That's the only reason I moved to Boston. I knew one person. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I got really lucky and I had right time, right place. And we all, you know, a lot of time we get luck. Sometimes we don't always see it when it's in front of us. And, uh, I met a guy who worked for uh Bose corporation, went to work for Bose, uh, well, people? yep. Yep. Okay. And, uh, he actually, one of the reasons I, I, I wanted, I asked him about working there because he seemed to never be working and he seemed really happy. So I'm, I'm like, how do I get this job? And, uh, so I got the job, uh, and, uh, ended up becoming a sales rep 
But I always had these years at Sharper Image, I always had retail in my blood. And uh, Bose was starting a retail division. And right time, right place. So basically, I took them from one store to 100 stores. And this was before. Matter of fact, we had stores for about two years. And Apple came to us and said, hey, we're thinking about opening our stores. Well, you know, can we learn from you? <laughs> There's Apple, a lot of Apple stores now and no Bose stores. So uh, they did a good job. They learned. They, really did a, <laughs> they did a great job. But, you know, Microsoft didn't have stores. Nobody really had stores. Right. And uh, But in 2001, kind of everything changed. Uh, decided I wanted to go a different direction in my life and uh, end up speaking, consulting. And then a client asked me to actually run his business. And so I ran that business for a while. But all along the way, you know, what I discovered was that the principles I learned in recovery were helping me in business. And that's why I end up after uh, that business I just was running was based on low interest rates. So we had exploded during the pandemic. We uh, had to lay off majority of the staff when interest rates went up. So uh, that's when I really, you know, put it down. I was like, you know, these elements of recovery that I've lived my entire life. So I've been clean uh, almost 37 years. Wow, that's fantastic. That's uh, incredible. You know, so again, your uh, your book, The Day That Makes the Year Makes a Life, Transform Your Work and Life with One Day Success that that kind of encompasses or, or that is kind of like the 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 recovery was it uh philosophy right you just take it one day at a time absolutely and so right in those early days those one day at a time is how i got through i mean you know you, you realize is that when i the day i stopped drinking and drugging my life was a disaster i mean i let down everyone in my life uh, I was morally, I was spiritually, I was physically, I was everything bankrupt. Right. And so, you know, the only way to, yeah, I had been actually a blackout drinker for about 350 nights a year. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, then all of a sudden to stop drinking was talk about, you know, I had to change my life. And uh, so, yeah, so those concepts, and that's why there's six principles in the book. And the very first one is, you know, it's called the day. I mean, you know, all success happens in the day, right? Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's what I do today that makes my tomorrow, that makes my year, makes my life. And so that's the first principle. So, yes, it's a it's it's not a it's not a recovery book, but it's based on the things that I learned to be able to apply in business. Yeah. So one of the things in the book that I like and I want to talk about this because. I think it's human nature not to take responsibility for your mistakes. Mm. It, but in your book, you talk about taking responsibility is a superpower and why you need to own your mistakes. So talk about this, because, again, especially, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, man, making a mistake, you think it's the end of the world. You try to hide these things. But what's interesting is it, you look at some of these powerful CEOs and the good ones admit their mistakes. What is it about admitting admitting your mistakes that makes you that turns it into a superpower? Uh, well, thanks for asking that. So, you know what what I learned is that again, I'm going to go back into my recovery days. Is you know the only way that I could rebuild my life was taking responsibility for what I had done, right? And I had to own it. <clears throat> and somewhere along the line, I I probably heard it. I don't have anything original. 
I'm just pretty good at interpreting it sometimes, is, uh, you know, that you, you can't change what you don't own. You can't change what you don't own. So when I blame, when I make excuses, when uh, people act in a certain way, you know, one of the things they taught me in recovery is that I was responsible for everything that happened in my life. Now, when they told me that, I thought you were asking me to become a door in the mat. It was opposite, right? So I own it. And so, you know, I don't own Bert's actions. He could say something upset me. Who knows? We still got a ways to go. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, what I do own and take responsibility is for my reaction. Right. And so that's really so when you actually start to take that on. And I think, you know, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, everything was a major issue and everything was a disaster. And, uh, you know, and I didn't like to admit mistakes. I mean. I grew up in a family. You went to great lengths to not admit you did something wrong. Um, right. And so, but what it does is it allows you, and you know, it's interesting, you, you know, especially for people say in, in, in business, when you make a mistake, the faster you own it, the faster you take it to your boss and say, not blaming anybody. Here's what right. happened. Here's what I did. And two more things. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And here's what I'm going to do to not do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, obviously, look, being in that kind of uh, family uh, situation, that makes it tough. But I think that's very human. I mean, what's interesting about that, it's not like your parents come to you and say, okay, in this family, and I don't know, maybe yours did this, but you know, most people aren't told directly, we don't admit our mistakes. This is something that we mm. learn. Right. And and it's interesting because what I have realized is that when somebody gets up on stage or, you know, not necessarily stage, but, you know, just stands up, whether it's on stage or, you know, you're having dinner or family setting, doesn't matter. And you say, here's a mistake I made. Uh, there. You know, we don't think of them as weak. We think of them, wow, this person's brave. That's courageous. But right. somehow we have this weird thing that if I admit a mistake or if I admit that I don't have all the answers or if I admit that I'm weak in this area, that somehow that makes me bad or look bad. But at the same time, when somebody else does it, we're thinking, man, that, per that person is so courageous to admit that. And, and it's just weird to me that we have this dichotomy. It, but it's so important because, first of all, if, especially when you lay out your, your four steps there, when we go through those four steps, it gives us an opportunity to learn and grow and become a better leader. And one of the things that helps us make good decisions is learning when, we, when we make from bad decisions. So <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know where, again, that that uh I, what is it shame embarrassment what is that yeah I, no and I, I think you make really a great point that when we see it in others we admire it when we see it in ourselves and and i think it's about sometimes you know you have to separate who i am to what i do right and so i'm a human i'm gonna make mistakes right i say things i shouldn't say um and now I will say that one of the things that helps me is every day when I wake up, 
I try to really work on who I'm going to be as a person that day. And then at the end of the day, was I that person? You know, when I'm, when I'm kind of locked in like that, I have a tendency to, you know, not make the stupid mistakes uh, yeah, uh, with my partner and my kids. And, uh, but, you know, it's, but I think it's understanding is that it's not what happened, right? It's not who to blame. And so I think, you know, when you quit blaming people, you quit blaming yourself. Right. And, and it's interesting because, Taking responsibility, not blaming others, not looking for an excuse. This is a hallmark of a good leader, mm. whether it's whether it's parental leader or a CEO or a Boy Scout or whatever. When you can sit there and say, yeah, you know what? I own it. I made that mistake. I learned from it. This is what I'm going to do not to do it again. And here's how I'm going to fix it. You know, you're, you're like, OK, cool. I'll you know, I, one of the great things about humans for the most part is we're willing to give a second and even a third mm -hmm. chance i mean we there's there's a history of ceos that have screwed up of politicians mm -hmm. that have screwed up and when they take ownership and especially again back to your four steps when they say listen i made the mistake it's not going to happen again this is how we're going to fix it we're like okay let's see let's see what this guy does um not to pick on anyone particularly I'm just going to use use him as an example. Uh, back in the day, where Bill Clinton was accused of uh, wrongdoing, and and he was trying to tiptoe around, you know, I did not have <laughs> yeah. sexual relationships with that woman. You know, you knew from his face, his body uh, language that he was lying, and all of the energy and money that was spent on trying to catch him in his lie. Um, I, I forgot how many. I think it was a couple of million. You know, but it was just. It, we as you know as investigators and as humans and we didn't want to give that up we wanted him to admit it and what's so interesting is finally when he admitted it it was like okay it's done it's over with yeah. let's move on uh all right but let, let me talk about this because i think this is another important thing in your book is that you mentioned micro changes talk about micro changes and why this is so important well, you know, I, I think the thing is that, you know, again, and, and these principles, they all fit together. So if we just, you know, go back real quick to take responsibility, right? It, it, when you make a mistake, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you going forward, right? It's just something that happened in the day. And so, you know, the micro changes to me is about every morning I get up, I try to, I want to improve three things a day. It can be my business. It can be me personally. It can be something around the house. And uh, and I know a lot of people, and they've been very successful. They're kind of focused on that 1% uh, improvement. Uh, I, don't, I can't do the math. I don't know what 1% looks like. But what I can do is change three things a day. That I can do. And, you know, when you change three things a day, you get 1,095 improvements uh, in a year. That adds up. Absolutely. And, and what I like about that, I'm like you. I don't know what 1% is. How, how do you... How do you measure 1% of today or whatever? But when you're focused on making three changes a day or two changes a day or just even one change a day, then you can say, okay, I've made 365 changes or, you know, whatever it is, a thousand whatever changes if you're doing three a day. That to me is an awesome strategy for total improvement. You're, you're focused. You know what you're doing. You're changing three things a day as opposed to 1%, what does that mean? Right. And so it really connects right to the macro changes is that, 
you know, look, if I'm going to change three things a day, I'm not going to make some humongous improvement, right? So whatever my big improvement, <clears throat> excuse me, in my business, uh, in my personal life, it's all going to happen in these steps and these small things. And, and, you know, when I talk about in the book about one day success, I just have a goal. I have a goal to be better than I was yesterday. If I can be a better person, I can be a better business person. I can be a better partner. And so, you know, for me, it, it, it allows me to be really connected to what I'm doing and who I am. So, you know, again, with micro changes, I'll, uh, I just every day I'll look at any type of work I do. And, and actually in the book, there, uh, actually it's not in the book, but you know, there's a guy I worked for who used to tell me that every day I walked in that sharper image store to look for one thing to improve. And I'd be like, oh, there's nothing to improve. And he would look over there and see 50 things to improve. Right. And so I, I wasn't looking, I didn't know how to look for him. But when I know I just want to be a little bit better. And so that's something I can just do. How can I make this better? It's an easy question to ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like what you said there. He was looking for opportunities and you weren't. And so that was the difference. He could see 50 things that could be worked on. And at that time in your life, it's, it's a great store. Everything's clean and everything's supposed to be where it's at. I don't see anything that needs to be improved. But the reality is we can always be a little bit better. I mean, that's what life is all about is to get just a little bit better. Mm. To your point, it's not about saying, hey, I'm going to be this much better. I'm going to change everything by tomorrow. But if I can just do those one or two or three things, just a micro change over a period, it, it's colossal. Yeah. And, you know, and if you take it back in my story, right? It, so, right, in 1987 – Right. I mean, I was a disaster. Right. And I didn't know how to live without drugs. I didn't know how to not live without just getting loaded every night. And so it's not like I'm going to walk into some recovery meeting and become a brand new person. Right. I'm right. I had to start to make those little changes. And, you know, it's a journey. It's, you know, as you said, it's, you know, it's about each day. Am I getting a little bit closer? and making everything a little bit better to the person and the business that I want. And that applies regardless of what you do. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's uh, a great principle or a great strategy. You know, one of the things that I love about is uh, the 12 step program that uh, most of us are familiar with. Uh, they're very keen on, not putting a bunch of pressure on yourself. You're taking it one day at a time. You're taking it one hour at a time and knowing that we all sometimes slip and we have to start over again. But if you slip up or if you make a mistake, you don't beat yourself up over it. And I think that's, again, it's a human nature thing to do that, uh, you know, uh, to, to just clobber yourself. And that is counterproductive. So I love this idea of micro changes. Let's talk about the power of intention how to choose what to prioritize. Cause I think this is really tough for many people. So give me your take on this. Well, one of the, one of the things I work, I do for working is I work with business owners to become more effective. And, and, and I tell you, and this work came out of, I used to do a lot of consulting with, with uh, businesses. And uh, you know, one of the things I discovered is every time I worked with any business, we're working on the marketing, we're working on this and that and everything. What I came to realize is, is that if the owner 
would just change a little bit of how they worked, they could change so much more. And and I really like the business owner because they have the power to change whatever they want. You're inside a company, not as much, but it still applies. And uh, so what I what I discovered is, is how do I help you become highly effective so quickly? And when you get down to it, you know, when everything's a priority, what? Nothing's, Nothing's a priority. A pro- right. right. So, so first is understanding is what are the one or two things right now that really matter in your business? And, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about staffing and, you know, Regardless of what the business, I have a coffee shop around the corner. They just opened up a little independent place, closed down. They got to close temporarily close because they can't find staff. It is hard to find staff. We, we know that. And so if you're to me that if you're dependent on staff and most people are in business, that's your priority. And so what are you doing every day in that? Right. People just get kind of stuck in doing their to do's. And so I always talk about that, right? Intentional actions create intentional results. And so what are you going to do today? What in, what are the one or two things you're going to do to move those priorities forward? And, and just it becomes that. Let other things fall. We also have a tendency, and I know I was guilty of this, of working on the things I like to work on. Sure. <laughs> right? Not the things that I really need done. Right. Uh, Not the hard stuff or the boring stuff. I want to work on this because it's fun. I resonate with this. Yeah. I, right. I enjoy that, uh, you know, making that really funny, you know, little uh, Facebook post. But, uh, you know, but I have no staff. Right. So it's understanding that, right, it's about priorities. And then what are you going to do on a daily basis? You know, it's you know, the, the, you don't get results without action. Right. One of the things um, that I've been working on this year, uh, I got this idea from, um, uh, he has a podcast, he's a neuroscientist, um, Heiberman or Heberman, can't remember his first name, Dr. Heberman. He's, you know, he's usually dressed in black and he's got a beard and, and and kind of, uh, so he talks about, uh, he quantified, you know, there, there's that saying, it's not the, uh, it's not the, uh, it's not the end, it's the journey, or it's not the goal, uh, it's the journey. And, and so he kind of, he kind of really, from a neuroscientific point of view, he talked about, if you can only get a dopamine hit from reaching your goal, you make reaching your goal so much harder, because you're not enjoying the process of reaching that goal. You got to get a. You got to train your mind to get a dopamine hit from, as you mentioned, doing the boring, boring stuff, the hard stuff, the the stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. If you can do that and get a little dopamine hit there, then you'll be able to do a little bit more and a little bit more. Before you know it, that really boring, horrible task got done, and then you get a bigger dopamine hit. And so, I just love that idea. So that's what I've been working on because, like you, I'm like. I don't want to call anybody. I know I got to call those three people and give them really bad news, uh, and I'm going to put that off till tomorrow. Uh, all right, let's talk about this uh, because one of the things that I realized doing all the stuff that you've done, giving up the drugs, the drinking, um, changing your life, uh, even figuring out 
you know, the, the three things you're going to work on or the three things that you're going to give priority to, to me, takes courage. So what I find is that sometimes people will say, well, this is what I need to do, but it scares me. So what do you tell to a CEO? What do you tell to somebody who says, I know what I got to do because we all do, but I'm scared to do it. I don't know how to get started. How do you deal with fear? How do you deal with that paralysis? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, right. I mean, it's, it's really simple and I'm a pretty simple guy. You just got to get started. And, uh, I, I find that I try to, I try to build this group of people around me that I communicate, text, call, talk to on a very regular basis. And one of the things that I have found is to get started on something is I got to speak it out loud to somebody. And, you know, I need account, you know, there's some accountability. And so I need to say to somebody, Hey, I need to get this done. And, and I do it with a lot of, with a lot of people. So what, you know, what are you going to do today? And, uh, you know, the, the fear most of the time, right, is just it's 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 really not really valid at all. Right. right. So, you know, look, if, if you got to walk across a tightrope, cross the Grand Canyon and that's your what you have to do, then that's some fear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, but if you want to right, if you've got to, you know, call, like, say, make that phone call to somebody, you got to do something. It's usually not fear, right? It's uncomfortableness. And I think there's a yeah. there's a big difference. There is. You're right. I mean, when you look at those two, huge difference, right? Uh, you got to let somebody go. Totally uncomfortable. It is a little scary. You got to give mm. somebody awful news. I'm not saying you should do it like this, but worst case scenario, you could do, you could send somebody a text message and say, I'm sorry, got to let you go. I mean, that's, that, that, that's kind of cowardly, but it's right. better than not doing it or because this has happened to me somebody actually hired me to let let go a couple of their employees you hire somebody you get it you can you can find a way and i like what you said look sometimes the only way to do it is just you got to get started and and using your three principles there or your three uh things what's the one thing you could do to get this one thing started because it ain't going to get resolved unless you get started, right? And, and uh, I think uh, 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 Brian Tracy, mm -hmm. you know, his quote was, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Absolutely. And, and, and there's just sometimes there's just no way around it. Uh, you just got to do those hard things. Uh, you know, life, in my opinion, is about doing hard things over and over again. It, it's, you know, being a running a business, that's hard. And yeah, in some cases, it's scary. Uh, having a family, that's hard and sometimes scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody I, warned me about that part. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, 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 we have five kids. And each time a child was born, it was scary. It was like, oh, this is going to be rough. And then the and then the last child turned out to be twins. So we went from having three kids oh. to five kids. And that was a, a huge game changer. I always tell my and, and, and then on top of that, they were they were twin girls. So I always tell my girls this is when they started <laughs> meeting, talking right. to boys around the age of 13 or 14. My hair just fell out and they said, no more. OK, we can't take it. But um, yeah, I mean, that's really what life is is you're doing scary things over and over again i i don't think we ever stop being scared we just we just change so 
if you grew your business to 500,000, great. Now to get it from 500,000 to a million, that could be a little scary, but you get it to a million. And then the next goal is 2 million. Right. You know, it, it just, it's, it's what your whole book's about is this never ending improvement thing. That's really what I think life and business is all about. So true. And I, I just love this, you know, your connection to like being a parent. Can, can, can you, you know, can you imagine like the kids came home, right? Like, hey, what's for dinner? Well, you know, I just have too much fear to make dinner. You're just uh, not going to happen today. And uh, yeah, it's it's just case. Yeah. And, and just real quick on this is, you know, when I, I used to spend a lot of time going and I used to go to a, a client's place for one day and I'd spend the entire day with them and I would just do a brain dump. And uh, the people who are struggling the most had the most ideas. And it's funny because I was like, you know, what can you tell us? And at the end of the day, I'd just be like, just do what you're supposed to do. You know to do it. Just do it. You know, <laughs> Nike well, had it right. Yeah, that's right. Just, just. Well, you know, so so this is my strategy because I'm one of those creative people. I can come up with ideas all day long. Mm. I, I'm, you know, I'm constantly coming up with an idea. And at one point, I would not only come up with an idea, but then I'd have to buy the the URL, the domain name for it. So at one point, I had like a thousand. We're Lost Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I call those domains my, my journey of broken dreams. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, what I started doing is I have a journal, uh, you know, an idea journal. I'll write it down there, get kind of get it out of my system. I, I, I finally come to grips that I'm not going to buy any more domain names. Uh, and matter of fact, I, I, I just sold one off. So I was like, yes, I've had this domain name for like 12 years. Yeah, right. right. I finally sold it. That's the most, you know, that's probably the best thing I could have done sooner than later. Either way. I write it down. I kind of get it out of my system. Oh, this would be a great domain name. I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I might waste 10 or 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour mm -hmm. doing a brain dump into this idea journal. But it's so much better than spending real time and real resources, money, whatever, taking somebody off of another priority to get them to waste time on this that I don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the bandwidth to do any more than we're doing. We're a tiny little company. Right. No, it's just amazing. Well, I'm going to, we get off this uh, zoom. I'm going to go put a couple up for sale and <laughs> you know, I'm going to get to that. So. All right. So let me ask you this. You're sitting around, you're thinking, uh, you know, I need to write a book. Uh, what was the catalyst for your book? What, what kind of got you off centered and made you write a book? Because as we know, writing a book is scary. It mm -hmm. takes time. Uh, you know, you're at, you know, you have to a bunch of rewrites. So it's not an easy task like buying a domain name. So tell us about your book I, journey. Yeah. So it really started with uh, yeah, about 11 months ago. I had laid off a bunch of people in this company. I went to the owner. Hey, someone else needs to be laid off me. So um, and it was the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, it's so anyway, I. Uh, it was like, all right, what am I going to do in this next chapter? And, uh, and, but the more I thought about it, the more I just realized, you know, really, I wanted to be able to get down on paper what it was in recovery that helped me be successful. And 
And, you know, and again, it's not a recovery book. You don't have to have a drug addiction or be a workaholic or whatever for these principles. Look, you know, uh, everybody's read the book and I've actually had a lot of non-business people reading the book. They all say the same thing. It's so simple. It so connects, right? Because I'm, I'm really into simplicity and don't, you know, uh, I can draw up a hell of a theory and do nothing with it. And, uh, so anyway, I was like, you know, I want to, I want to just figure out what all these are and what all these are connected. I'd been living it for 30 some years, but I hadn't always named it. And so I, I, I actually worked with a guy and I think that's the other thing that helps me is when I want to get something done, sometimes I hire a coach, I hire a professional, I hire someone to uh, help talk me through it. And, uh, Sometimes I chat with AI. That's also become kind of a uh, brainstorming tool. And uh, so anyway, when it finally clicked on what I was going to write about, I am really big on streaks. And Ooh, so, like that. yeah, so it's how I've lost weight. Well, back, I lost 50 pounds. Uh, so I do streaks. And so I use an app on a Mac. It's a great app called Day One. Um, and it's a perfect journaling. So I journal every morning, every night. And then I do streaks and I've used streaks in businesses in business to help people be successful, right? You're going to do this higher level thing, this one next right thing. You're going to do how many days in a row can you do it? It's front of mind. It's accountability. And so uh, I'm like, when it all came together to write the book, I, uh, I wrote every day and I never missed a day. My, my partner, she's going like, can we just take a day off? I'm like, nope, got a streak. Got a and uh, so I read it in uh, 62 days. The, wow. The first draft. That's uh, impressive. That's and impressive. Then, and then, of course, uh, the editor. <laughs> You've done the Which process. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. Uh, actually, not as bad as I thought. You know, I think with some of the software we can use today, it's much easier uh, than it was, say, you know, I wrote another book 20 years ago, so I'll, I'll, I much plan to write another 20 one. years. Yeah. 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 So much easier. And uh, so, you know, so for me, what it was is just getting it and just getting in that daily habit. And it's funny because that's what the book was about. And then so every day what I would do in my in my online journal is I'd write down how many words I wrote, how many words I had all the, the, to date and what percentage was to be done. Nice. And and that's how, you know, again, and I think when we work that way, so I do it in many different ways, is, you know, every day, what's my highest priority? I can only, you know, look at new so often. And so that's uh, that's actually how I got it. It really was intentional actions, great intentional results. What I like about the streak strategy, interestingly enough, I learned about streaks from my twin daughters. Um uh, they were like 13 or 14. They were driving us crazy. They were bickering. It was just constant chaos and contention. So I took their phones away. <laughs> and they were freaking out. Uh, talk about addiction and recovery. They were freaking out. <laughs> the first three days, man, they were like, I need my phone. And I, and I asked them, what's so important that you need your phones? And they said, I'm going to lose all my streaks. What? Uh, right in their so games, Snapchat right? has a streak yeah. thing. Same strategy. How many days can you go back and forth with somebody? Which is psychologically smart, but you know, when you're just Snapchatting with somebody for 
whatever to, you know, again, kind of a waste of time. But for them at 13, 14 was incredibly important. But Absolutely. using it the way you're using it, what a smart way. And then the second time I heard about streaks was from this guy. You may have heard of him. His name is Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and so Jerry does the same thing. He 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 said he said up to see how many times he you know how many days in a row he can write new jokes hmm. and and you know he he talks about keeping the street going or could, he calls it a chain keeping the chain going right so can you do it for three months nonstop for for a year nonstop or whatever and and again back to the dopamine hit I mean this is a great way to get a dopamine hit because. You you did the streak. You did what you were supposed to do today. You 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 did that. Maybe it was you wrote that one page or whatever it was you wrote, or you did that one thing. But you did you've done it now for you know sixty five days consecutive. That's a win. Yeah, it was kind of a letdown when I finished. To be honest, sure. <laughs> like oh, the streak ends. Uh, now but, what? You know, but 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 you know one of the things I do is I journal every morning and I journal every night. And it doesn't have to be anything, but it gets it out of my head. And I just find the written word doesn't lie to me. I'll lie to myself in my head. But when I put it down on screen, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's pretty powerful. And so, you know, that's something I've done for a long, long time. I love it. I love it. Doug, we're out of time. What's the name of the book? The book is right here. The Day Makes the Year Makes a Life. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, appreciate if uh, buy two, give one away. And, you, uh, you know, one of my concepts is give to get. So, you know, if you want to get things in life, you got to give things in life. So, absolutely. And I'll put the, I'll put the links here in the show notes. You guys can just click on there, check out the books. Um, I love it. We covered a lot of great content, a lot of great strategies today. Um, Doug, thank you so much for stopping by. Looking forward to having you back again. Bert. It was awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, have a good rest of your week. You too.